0: Why is God counting us all the time? Our rabbis pose this question at the beginning of Kitisa, and they have an answer. When we love somebody intensely, the tendency is to make sure that they're always close by and accounted for. To make sure nothing is missing. There's a midrash in Psikta Rabati that imagines God as a king with overflowing treasures, but there's one small chest with not that much in it that he comes back to over and over and over again. It's not the most flashy, but he loves it so much that he wants to hold it in his hand, see it with his eyes, and remind himself that it's there. This is why God is counting the Israelites, says the midrash, to lovingly recall each one and feel their presence. It reminds me of a moment from the house at Pooh Corner. <laughs> Piglet, sidled, Piglet sidled up to Pooh from behind. Pooh, he whispered. Yes, Piglet? Nothing, said Piglet, taking Pooh's paw. I just wanted to be sure of you. Perhaps our rabbis and A.A. Milne were early proponents of attachment theory. (laughs) Founded by 20th century psychiatrist and psychoanalyst John Bowlby, attachment theory is the observation that human beings innately crave proximity to an attachment figure. For infants, the figure is the primary caregiver, usually a parent. We're always monitoring. Is our our physical and emotional closeness to the caregiver measuring up to the desired level of closeness? If the attachment figure is perceived as unavailable or closed, attachment behaviors are triggered. Anxious attachment leads to clinginess and demonstrative outbursts while avoidant attachment breeds detachment and resistance to contact. As adults, these behaviors manifest as patterns within romantic relationships and friendships and in the workplace. But back to God counting us. Is that thing of going back and like opening it over and over again, is that healthy attachment behavior? Or is this God caught in a pattern of clingy, anxious attachment? (laughs) Let's just leave that one unanswered for right now. Because a few chapters later, we're the ones counting the days, the minutes, until one man's return. Our eyes squint heavenward, but the object of our love, our attachment figure, is missing. Moshe our primary human caregiver, who tells us when it's time to go, to stay, to fight, or to bathe. He's left the human plane of existence for a 40-day retreat with God at the top of the mountain. And we, the newly liberated Israelites, were stranded in the unforgiving wilderness with no parent. How are we supposed to respond? In the 1950s, Psychologist Harry Harlow separated newborn monkeys from their mothers, and he placed two substitute inanimate mothers within reach. One was a wireframe monkey that had a food dispenser in it, and the other was a terry cloth stuffed animal monkey. And almost unanimously, who did the monkeys choose? The terry cloth, the soft, squishy mother. They sacrificed food for the sake of closeness. We could have done without the mana, but we can't do without Moses. We crave contact. The disappearance of Moshe is a massive attachment rupture, and it sets off debilitating anxiety that leads to unhealthy attachment behaviors all around. Loss of control, violence, and avoidance. First, the Israelites. We panic. The rabbis imagine that we can't control our fear, and we collectively imagine this, we see this mirage. We see a mirage of Moses' corpse suspended between heaven and earth. He's not just lost. Oh my God, he's dead. He's not just dead, he's in limbo between sky and ground. I don't know if this type of catastrophic thinking has ever happened to you. But the Israelites dive into a tailspin. So we, we surround Aaron, we demand a substitute parent object to cling to, and so the golden calf emerges. Despite being metal and not terry cloth, we throw ourselves into the spasmodic dance around the new attachment figure. When Moshe flies into rage, shatters the tablets, pulverizes the golden calf, and forces all of us to drink it, things get complicated. We now have two interconnected attachment patterns on fire, and everyone is out of control. He sees himself replaced. He demolishes this substitute attachment figure and commands the Levites to kill everyone who clung to it. Spare no one, he charges. Not parent, not neighbor, not friend. And then there's God. We might have rooted for God to stay above the fray, but au contraire, God brings a third contrasting attachment behavior. Avoidance denial. Like a child who shuts down and detaches when feeling neglected, God denies any connection to the Israelites, addressing them to Moshe as your people whom you brought out from Egypt to this place. God then feigns forgiveness but remains detached. Okay, fine. I'll send them up to the land of Israel because I promised, but I'm not going. I am done ziggasant. <laughs> Parshat Kitisa is rupture central. And by the intermission, the relationships between God, Moshe, and Israel are fractured almost to the point of no return. But in attachment theory, The question isn't, how do we avoid rupture? Ruptures happen always, even in the healthiest, most blessed relationships. The question is, how do we deal with the rupture? How do we face loss? How do we respond when we don't get the love, the attention, the respect we want? When the one we most need shows us their back? Instead of the face we so desire to see? What is so inspiring about Parshat Kitisa is that our three protagonists, the Israelites, Moshe, and God, emerge from this stinking mess stronger and closer than before. How? The answer lies in the name of the Parshat, Tisa. When you lift, when you lift up, when you lift each other to a higher level, when we accept each other's brokenness, when we acknowledge each other's fears, and we begin building from that place of compassion. In the remainder of the parsha, there are multiple examples of acknowledgement and lifting. And my absolute favorite is between Moshe and Israel. In the ashes of the golden calf, Moshe finally understands that the mountaintop was too far away for the people to bear. They couldn't see him and the anxiety of not knowing what was happening overwhelmed them. So Moshe shifts the geography and lifts them up by making that distance bearable. Instead of climbing the mountain the next time that Moshe speaks to God, Moshe grabs his tent, drags it down the street, far enough away from the camp to express distance, but close enough for the people to see it. Now, whenever Moshe was called to speak with God, he would walk out towards the special tent, and all of the people, each Israelite, would station him or herself at the entrance to their tent, and they would watch vanitzvu, and they would stand. They showed up, and they stood at attention, and they watched over his conversations with God. I don't know if you know what a meerkat colony looks like. Like, I just have this image of everybody, all the meerkats, standing and watching as Moshe goes down the street with his tent and has a conver- goes to the tent and has a conversation with God. Because they can see him, the people's anxiety dissolves. And they begin to understand that when he leaves camp, it's for the sake of when he comes back. It's for the sake of their relationship. He's not going to leave them. And when Moshe returns, he sees them at attention, not flailing chaotically around a substitute attachment figure. Trust is restored, and their relationship becomes strong enough, secure enough, and Moshe is eventually able to return to the spot on the mountain, where even though they can no longer see him, they know. So each one of us is hardwired, for secure social attachment. And when our attachment is threatened, we feel triggered and often default to unhealthy patterns. Some of us cling like Israelites, I'm guilty of that, and some of us shut down our emotions and grow numb like God. But most of us move between both, depending on the relationship. The question isn't how do we beat ourselves up for falling into these patterns, but the question is how do we become aware of our patterns? How do we cultivate compassion and reconnect to those we love in the face of rupture? How do we lift each other? How do we heal?